You may have noticed we haven't done prayer yet. We're going to do that at the end. I just want to talk quickly into that. If you've got my text through the week, you, you just noticed that. I just really felt this morning that we'd give a bit of an extended time praying for people this morning. I think as we, as we come, we've been talking about creating an atmosphere of faith for healing lately. And that's been in response to a couple of things, a prophetic word that was brought over Pastor Bruce and Joan a few weeks ago, but also the fact that in the last month, uh, we've had more people go through surgery in our family than we've ever had before. Uh, I can't remember a time where we've had as many people go through that. And so in the spirit, we're called to respond. And we're not going to be overrun by the enemy. We're going to respond. And so we've been talking uh, the last, last few weeks and... It's not my message. That was last Sunday night. <laughs> That's better. There we go. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks, and um, we had obviously Pastor Janine here with us last week. But before that, was talking about the fact that um, signs and wonders happen, miracles happen, so that faith is increased in our lives. John talks about the fact that the signs are given so that we would believe. We were speaking about the fact that God is not the source of evil. He's not the source of sickness. He is actually the source of good. And Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil, one of which is sickness and disease. And in actual fact, we are at war. We're currently at war. We're not in this land where everything's just blueprint how God wants it. We're actually living in a warfare state and fighting for that and fighting and joining with Jesus in destroying the works of the devil. We're partnering with him in that mission, in what we do now. And also one of the things that we were talking about, and we were praying this before the service and talking it just before, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know, when miracles happen in our lives, when healings happen in our lives, Jesus said this, why has this happened? So that God would be glorified. So that when a word of knowledge comes, when someone speaks out a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or something in the Bible leaps off the page at you and Jesus is saying yes, in your spirit that's when you go amen and we can receive it right there even before someone prays for us. We can receive that right in that moment of agreement with the spirit of God. And so I just want to speak a little bit more quickly this morning on on building a, an atmosphere of healing around the place. And in, in Matthew 17, 21, Jesus made this statement, this kind does not come out other than prayer and fasting. Now you'll notice, maybe you're following along in your Bible, maybe your Bible doesn't have that verse. But I can guarantee there are three quarters, more than three quarters of the manuscripts originally that do carry this verse. And when God put the Bible together, it was important and it was meant to be there. And uh, some places just have a little hyphen and, and or in parenthesis, but this is the Word of God and is meant to be in there. And so I just want to start with that verse this morning, and then we'll get back to that in a moment. In Ephesians, I just want to pull a little, couple of things out of the Amplified in Ephesians, and then we'll talk a little bit more on this. But put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armored soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up to all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 15, having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation, 
to face the enemy, what? Firm-footed, stably, and with the readiness produced by the good news. And above all, so this is the thing that above all else, when we're working in the armor of God, this is the important thing Paul starts to advertise. This is the thing that above all else, this is what you need to do. Lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Boo! Oh, there it is. So you go, if you didn't understand what the text said, that's what it looks like. We get a shield, and the devil's shooting arrows at us. And we lift it up and block things. The problem is, this is most of the time when we see this and draw this, and I've always seen like them draw like medieval knights, knights of the round table, shining armor, carrying one of these. But the problem is, Paul didn't know anything about medieval knights when he wrote the passage. And this was more the army men that he was talking about and carrying these shields. And what's really great about these, when we're walking on our own, we can carry them and still attack and, and, and work around. But the, the awesome thing, and this is why it's so important to be in the house of God together, is I can carry my shield up and I can have my shield and, and be on my own. But the problem is I can be hit from behind. Someone can walk up behind me and take me out, or I can get hit by the side, and I'm not seeing what's coming in there. But this is the image that Paul was creating, and this is why he said, above all else, lift up your shield. So I don't know the fiery darts that are coming at you, but I can guarantee in this atmosphere, the person to your left is carrying some faith that's designed to protect you. And you've walked in this morning with some faith that's designed to protect someone else. The faith you carry isn't just for you, but it's for others. And that's why it's important for us to, to walk into an atmosphere of faith, to join together in an atmosphere of faith, because we're carrying stuff one for another. This is not just for us. This verse wasn't just set there in your own, on your own place, but this was us combining together so that we can form an entire wall, and that's where the arrows would just fly up and come down, and they'd just be sitting there. There's no worries about this. We don't even have to think about what the enemy's doing right now, but we can see out the front, and we can see his schemes and his plans, and we can move on towards that and actually start taking the ground back and making ground. So this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about faith, about building faith about a faith that's growing. And if you've got your word there or follow on the screens, we're going to look at Mark 9, 14 to 29. And this is, this is the Mark reference to that Matthew verse I just spoke before. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. So what's happened at this point and where we've got to is, is Jesus has just been up the mountain having a treat with his executive leadership. He's had Peter, James and John up a mountain and shown them the fact that he, he transfigured up there, shown them the resurrected state of his, his glory up there, and then Moses was there, and, and Elijah was there, and it's amazing how Peter recognized them, but he'd never met them. 
nor was there any Facebook pages up about what, what uh, Moses and Elijah looked like. But you ever wondered, will you recognize people in heaven? Yes. And, and so that's happened there. And the rest of the disciples at this point are down meeting with people. And they're just carrying out a normal healing crusade, as they do. They've got people coming to them, and they're seeing them healed and casting out demons and, and speaking words of life and encouragement to people. And so Jesus and the disciples have come into this, and all of a sudden they've seen the disciples having an argument with the leaders of the church. And when the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And so he asked them, what, what are you guys actually arguing about? And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit and robbed of speech. And whether it's, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. Or another translation, another way of saying that is you perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I was talking the other week about the tone in Scripture of what Jesus is saying. This is not one of those. It's not the passive tone. He's upset. He's annoyed right now. He's a little bit, he's got steam coming out of his mouth. It's one of the, like, Fred Flintstone cartoons. Steam's starting to pour out his, his neck there, and he's getting a bit red in the face. And that's it. Unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up, bring the boy to me? Notice he is speaking to there, the disciples. So they brought him to him, and when, they saw the, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it threw the boy to the ground in a convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled over, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It often throws him to the fire to try and kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can. If you can. Just dealt with my disciples, mate. Let me deal with you now. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father proclaims, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. See, when, let me just say this for a moment because I don't want to talk on this this morning, but when you're dealing with something of the enemy, you've got total authority. You don't have to request. You don't have to ask. You command. You are Jesus standing there in that situation. I command you, come out. And I love how he doesn't just sit there with that. It's not just come out. Don't come back. You get your stuff. Get out of here. Don't even think about it. You lose the address. Wipe it out from your GPS. Don't come anywhere near this person. Delete, unfriend him from Facebook. Just come out. Don't come back. The spirit shrieked, convulsed, and violently came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that they said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. So here we have the man's faith, and I don't believe. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. What a good prayer. What a fantastic prayer. 
Notice how Jesus responded to that. I mean, so often we're like that man in how we pray, isn't it? If you can, God, would you please do this? If you're able to, would you please do this? Let me question here. I wonder if that's really a faith prayer. Notice how Jesus didn't do much with that until the man said, no, I actually believe you can do this. I need help in the unbelief moment. I need help to pick this up, and I need to increase my faith. Help me. It even, this, this is even more, like, Jesus, Jesus goes fairly easy on the man. In Matthew, he talks to the disciples a bit more. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast him out. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And Jesus said to them, it was because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out other than by prayer and fasting. So Jesus looks at his elders. He grabs his group of elders around him and goes, you lot of perverts. That's what the word said. You couldn't cast this demon out, you bunch of perverts. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? That's what he's going on about. He's like, he, he couldn't deal with this. And so here's it, you perverse generation. You generation who have twisted the image of reality right now. That word there actually means twisted the reality. Twisted the reality of the source. So what he's speaking to his disciples about, you don't actually recognize who the Father is right now. You've lost direction of who the Father is. Disatrefo, if you want to know the the word in there. And so he's like saying like he is to the man, you're carrying a shield, but right now it's little. It's not big like it's meant to be. He actually says you have little faith. He doesn't say you've got no faith. He actually says you guys have little faith. The way that you have misperceived who the father is, is giving you a little faith. It's got to be who he's addressing here. We've got to realize that a couple of chapters ago, these disciples saw Jesus feed 15,000 people with two fish and a few loaves. Then they saw him feed 4,000 people with the same sort of deal going on. They saw him walk on water. They've seen him cast out demons. They've actually been part of casting out demons. They've healed people through the command and the utterance of faith over them. So this is the people that he's coming to. And, And even in that service where he walked into, they would have been healing people just before he walked in. That morning, they would have actually seen people get up that hadn't been able to walk and the blind see for the first time in that meeting and, and Jesus walks in there and then he's saying, hey, you don't have big faith right now. Why? Because when we see, that's meant to inspire faith and they've forgotten the source and they weren't looking at who God was. They'd started to take their eyes off the reality and yet there's a couple of people. We know that we can deal with the size of our faith because a few chapters earlier in 15 and also back in chapter 8, Jesus deals with a couple of other people and he actually says this about their faith. You have mega faith. Most of your Bibles will say great faith about the Canaanite woman, uh, about the centurion and the Canaanite woman, but the Greek word is best translated mega. You have mega faith. Why did they have mega faith? They came to him and said, you can heal my child. Just even speak the word. 
but you can do it. I need the crumbs off the table. Jesus just looked at this woman and, and told her, hey, hey, I've just come to Israel. I've come to Israel, but the master's food is not for the dogs. Jesus looked at this woman and essentially gone, you're a dog. And she's gone, I don't really care what's going on right now. I have to break in because you're the only source right now that's going to do me. And she says, come on. Even I need the crumbs from you, and that's just enough. All I need is one small morsel from you, Jesus, and that's enough to eat my child. He says, what mega faith you have. And what all this tells us is this, is faith can be increased. And we can have responsibility for increasing our faith and, and working with our faith. Faith is something. He's looking at the disciples going, you guys have little faith. Only a little bit there. Only a tiny bit going on today. But right now, we can actually work this out. Because faith's a muscle. It's just like a muscle. We work it out. When we see the hand of God moving, when we talk about the hand of God moving, when we share the stories and testimonies of what he's done, when we're actually part of it ourselves and, and, and seeing the outworking of the kingdom through our hands. See, um, I don't know whether I should share this. A little while ago, I've spoken every so often about doing some CrossFit with the Elvery boys and um, Justin hurts me. I went and saw Justin the other day and we decided not to do a workout. It was very kind of him, I thought. And, but um, I was hanging out with Ben before Justin. He was, he was looking to get into some CrossFit training. And, and so one of the things with CrossFit that's important is being able to do a push-up. I can do push-ups now. It's really amazing. I can actually do proper boy push-ups and do about five of them. When I first started with Ben... I was doing girl push-ups pretty much on about this high. This was about the level of my push-up. There was no upper body strength going on. Now, to give that some context and, and, and to make me feel a bit better, I, I used to play inline hockey and skate as a, as a kid. So all my muscle groups that I worked out was, was waist down. There was no upper body strength needed in my younger years. So, so before you think I'm just a 90-pound weight, no. I'm not 90 pounds, that's for sure. And... Uh, but just like doing workouts, build up strength and build up muscles, same with faith. We grow up the more we use it and the more we believe. When we get those rhema words in, when we hear words of knowledge. But Jesus gets down and he starts to give them the real key to what's going on. And he says this, he goes, hear testimonies, receiving the word, reading the word and letting it jump off the page at you. Witnessing the kingdom at work, words of knowledge. But then he says this, this kind does not come out other than by prayer and fasting. What he's giving them is not the key to that demon. What he's giving them is the key to increased faith. He's going, what you guys need to do is you need to spend more time praying. And the one light we love to hear, some more time fasting. I don't like fasting. I like food. Anyone that's known me since I've got married realizes I, I, I like food. I've had to change my clothes quite a number of times since I've got married and increase my wardrobe because my boundaries are expanding. I enjoy food. It's wonderful stuff. 
But see, where, the, where this comes from and faith comes from is relationship. Prayer says this. Prayer says, I want to reach into heaven and see heaven. What fasting does is says this. I let go of this world. Why is it important? Because we let go of this world. Jesus said, I don't live by bread alone. I live by what comes out of heaven. But I need to do something. And Jesus needed to spend 40 days actually putting in I let go of this world. I'm not saying we're doing a 40-day fast, by the way. He spent 40 days putting out and letting go. I let go of this world because I just need heaven in my circumstance. And he, he did that. And like us, he walked and he built faith. He grew in faith. So prayer is reaching to heaven. Why do we know this? Because Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done right here. On this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sin. Lord, just as we forgive those who have done us wrong. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. And ever. And ever. And ever. Amen. And then he let go. And then we let go of this earth. Fasting is important in our day. We'll get to a time where we will feast for eternity and not put on weight, praise God. But it's just that. What it does is when we add prayer and fasting, it's just breaking through. It's like breaking through that wall where we're believing for something and we can't quite see it done yet. But then we start hitting against that wall and it's just like the woman who ran through the crowd to find Jesus and forced her way through to touch the hem of his his garment. It's just like Bartimaeus who sat on the side of the road crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Even when everyone else was telling him to be quiet. It's just like Zacchaeus when he ran up a tree and just gave everything to push through to see Jesus. That breakthrough moment. This is when we combine prayer and we add fast into it. What we do is we start to break through and increase in faith. And then what might happen in that time as well is we might actually get the gift of faith, which is God's faith in himself. And that is the absolute assurance. That's what's needed for miracles. That's what's needed for creative miracles, that absolute assurance that this is going to happen right now. So in this place this morning, there are people here who need the hand of God working in their lives. There are people here who need a divine intervention. There's people here who need God's healing in their body. Now what that might be is there might be someone else in the room who actually carries the faith for that. And actually carries the mega faith to believe and see that come through. Notice how in this story we were talking about before, he addressed both the faith of the person and the foe for those praying. There's no such thing of going, oh, you didn't get healed, you need more faith. You need to want it. We know that's in the word. Do you actually want to be healed? Do you want to see? Yeah, it's a good idea, Jesus. Let's do this. But let's, let's spend some time just... I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let's spend a little bit of time just worshipping. And then we'll pray. Just, just do a song and then we'll pray. And if people have words of knowledge through this time, let's bring them through. There's an awesome verse, just before we do that, in Isaiah that says, This is the kind of fast I've chosen. Loose the chains of injustice. Unite the cord, untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. 
this is God's fast. This is what actually happens when we fast. This is the intention to break yokes off and to free us and to, and to deliver us and set us free. And as we do and as we believe God for healing, I pray that you would enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul. You know, this morning, as we, as we just press into a time of God now, you might need just healing, not just in your body, but your soul. There might be something going on in your heart. There might be a disappointment that you've been carrying. There might be a hurt or offense that you've been carrying for some time. And this morning, God wants to set you free in that. God wants to release you on the inside. And sometimes he needs to release us on the inside before he releases us on the outside. So let's just stand and worship and... Um,